my grandfather in South Arkansas would say, hallelujah <laughs> and amen. Father, thank you that you are the great amen. Thank you that we can raise a hallelujah to you to give you praise because holiness is your name, victory is your name, salvation is your name. You are the name above all names. And we give you praise, glory, honor, and worship today. As we open up your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit would stir within us conviction and that we would be challenged. Ultimately, we would leave here changed because of our encounter with you. We pray it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's word and look with me in the book of Acts, a book that we've been in for the past 19 weeks now. And uh, we may have another week or two left in the book before we get done with it. We're in Acts chapter 12. And I want to share a message with you this morning entitled, The Key to Heaven. Now, let me tell you where I take this title from. Uh, years ago, there was a uh, gospel singer. His name was Jake Hess, way back in the day. And he made famous an old gospel song called, The Key to Heaven. And it goes like this. <clears throat> I'm playing. <laughs> it's playing. I see it's playing. <laughs> he said, uh, prayer is the key to heaven, but faith unlocks the door. Words are so easily spoken. Prayer without faith is like a boat without oars. Have faith when you speak to the master. That's all he asks you for. Prayer is the key to heaven, but faith unlocks the door. Now in that song, the lyrics of that song, it's not saying that prayer is a lucky rabbit's foot that somehow obligates God to do whatever we ask, nor is prayer like a magic eight ball that gives us some prediction for the future. To say that prayer is the key to heaven means that we have access to the Father through the ministry of the Son and the power of the Spirit as we pray. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, he does a, a wonderful job of sharing with us how all persons of the Trinity are involved in our prayer. How the Father receives our prayer, and as the Father receives our prayer, how the Son sits at the right hand of the Father, and as we pray, Jesus Christ the Son intercedes for us and pleads our case before the Father. So when you pray, the Father hears your prayers, and Jesus says, Father, listen to their prayer, not because of them, Father, but because of me. And then when you get in those moments where you just don't know what to say. You ever been there? When you just don't know what to say and the words just will not come when you try to pray, that's when the Holy Spirit steps in and the Holy Spirit takes over and He expresses to the Father the very concerns of our hearts. A lot of us probably felt that way yesterday, didn't we? When we woke up and we saw the news that Israel was being attacked and and we saw the senseless murders and the, the retaliation that resulted in more murders. And as we looked at uh, all the, the stories and we saw those numbers increasing, we, we really didn't know what to pray or didn't know how to pray. And that's when the Spirit stepped in and interceded for us with groanings that are too hard for us to imagine or speak. It is impossible to over 
underestimate and overstate the importance of prayer in the life of a follower of Jesus and in the church of Jesus. We could fill up pages and and verses of prayer, songs about prayer, quotes about prayer, yet if we're honest among the practices, among the habits that, that God has given us to develop us as followers of Jesus, prayer can be the most challenging to practice. You see, the church is made up of people. Not just one person, not just one group of people, but all of us together. And I think it's safe and biblical to make this statement that the prayer life of a church will be nothing more, nothing less than the prayer lives of the people who were part of that church. Well, in Acts chapter 12, we get a glimpse into the prayer practice of this first church. It happens during the context of a very unusual and extraordinary event. Let's look at Acts chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was made for to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter, that word struck means he smacked the dog out of him. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and was, uh, and he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel, was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. This happens because the people are praying over the earnest prayer is being made for him. Verse 12, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she left him there. (laughs) She did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel, Peter's angel. But Peter continued knocking. And I wonder what he thought. Hello, are they going to open? When they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Now when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. 
that he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. I want to use from this text four words to explain what's happening in this text as it relates to prayer. Just four words. The first word is this, priority. Priority. We see from what's happening in this church that prayer was a priority for these early believers in this church in Acts. It was such a priority that it permeated almost every single thing that the church did. Now specifically in our context, their problems led them to pray. Prayer was their first response to the problems that they encountered. One of their leaders was dead and the other had been arrested and they likely assumed he might meet the same fate. In fact, we know they uh, kind of assumed that because when Peter showed up, they concluded that it had to be his ghost. There's no way he would have survived. Maybe he too had been killed. And the church prayed because they were facing a problem. This situation caused fear. It caused worry and maybe some doubt. Would they meet the same fate? Who would lead them next? Would this Christianity thing that they just got involved with, was it about to die? They could have internalized this problem and they could have cowered in fear, but they decided to pray instead. You need to know where to turn when you face problems because problems you will face. We need to follow the example of this church and the instruction of the guy who's at the center of all this, Peter, who tells us in his epistle, 1 Peter 5, 7, that we can cast all of our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us. When we are faced with a problem, prayer must be a priority. But it should be a priority even before we get there. In everything that we do, the priority should be prayer. In fact, for this church, their priority was prayer regardless of what was happening. They prayed about everything. Making prayer their priority did some amazing things. You know how the book of Acts opens up? It opens up with a group of people praying for 10 days. They did nothing but pray until the Holy Spirit arrived. Then Peter preached and 3,000 people were saved. In Acts chapter 4 they pray and God filled them with such a great sense of boldness that they turned the city of Jerusalem upside down so that by the time Acts chapter 5 is over, this church in Jerusalem is over 10,000 strong. In our text, prayer was prioritized 
and God initiated a prison escape ten times better than Shawshank Redemption and he struck down the man who orchestrated it all. All of that happened because prayer was a priority. Let me ask you something. Is prayer a priority in your life? I'll say this. Prayer is as big a priority as you want it to be. And it will be as much a part of your life as you allow it to be. You can change your relationship with prayer today by making it a priority. That's the first word. The second word is praise. Praise. You've got in this chapter two competing forces. You've got two kings mentioned in this chapter. You've got King Herod and you've got King Jesus. And we saw King Herod as he was given praise and then God struck him dead. Now I want you to think just a second. Why would God strike down an unbelieving king when the king had no role in the real, true God and kingdom of heaven? Why would God care to point out to us the fact that he struck King Herod down? Because King Herod would not give God glory. The reason that Herod was struck down was because God alone is worthy of all praise, and all praise belongs to God alone. Did you know that you were designed by God to receive his grace and extend his glory. Okay, I want you to hear that again. I want you to think about it. I'm going to prove it to you. God has designed your life so that you will receive his grace and extend his glory. And the reason I know that to be true is it's how scripture says uh, humanity got started. All the way back in Genesis chapter 1, it tells us that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. What did Adam and Eve do to receive blessing? Nothing. God simply blessed them. God simply gave them his grace. God was simply gracious to them. And then God said, now that I've blessed you, God said to them, be fruitful and multiply in all the earth. Why did God give them that command? Was God wanting to populate the earth so he can say, look at how many people on the earth. No, God wanted his image. Remember, they're created in the image of God. God wanted his image to go all over this world. God wanted his, his grace. God wanted his grace to be given to us and for his glory to be reflected in every aspect of this world. Grace is received. God blesses us. Then glory is given. Praise is extended. His image is reflected for generations to come through the offspring. You See, one of the gifts of God's grace is the privilege of prayer. And one of the ways we give glory and praise to God is by participating in that privilege of prayer. As you pray, you invite God into your situation. And when God moves and works through your life, he deserves the praise. And so prayer is the priority and prayer is praise. Here's the third word. 
persistence. Persistence. This group of believers in Acts chapter 12, they persisted in their prayers for Peter. Verse 5 tells us that earnest prayer was made to God on his behalf. And verse 12 tells us that even through the night, many were gathered together and were praying. In fact, that word back up in verse 5, that word earnest, it's a, a medical term that describes the stretching of a muscle to its limit. It's the same word that's used of Jesus when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the idea of earnest, intense prayer. I wonder, I wonder how many followers of Jesus fail to see God answer their prayers because they stop praying before God answers their prayer. I wonder how many of my prayers have gone unanswered because I failed to persist in prayer. I wonder how many of our prayers have met the same fate. You see, these believers were committed to be persistent in their praying. Now, let me show you how this fits together. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, also wrote the gospel of Luke. There's what, 14 years of seminary to teach you. And when Luke and Acts, they were originally one volume. And then later they were separated in the gospel and then the Acts of the Apostles. The book of Acts is the application of the gospel of Luke. So what you see Luke teach in Acts, or the, the gospel of Luke, you see it applied in the book of Acts. So in the gospel of Luke, Luke teaches us about prayer. and the book of Acts, we see prayer applied. Now, with that in mind, recall that in Luke's gospel, he records an incident where the disciples came to Jesus, and in Luke chapter 11, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. In response to that request, Jesus gave them what we call the model prayer. And then Jesus told them a story, an illustration. Jesus said there was this guy who had a family and he had a neighbor, and one night a bunch of guys, or a few different guys, came to the neighbor's house and said, we're hungry. This neighbor had no food. And so this neighbor got up and went to his other neighbor's house late at night, in the middle of the night, and knocked on the door. Understand that in that culture that they didn't have different bedrooms for everyone. Everyone kind of had the same sleeping area. And so for this homeowner to get up and respond to the knock at the door, he didn't have his ring doorbell so he could see who was there. He had to get up. He had to uh, uh, unrest and, and wake up all the people in the house. And when he got to the door, this neighbor said, look, I got some guys who came by and they want three loaves full of bread. Three loaves full of bread would have been enough to supply food for several days. This was a, an excessive request. This was a very inconvenient request. And yet, as Jesus tells in this story, Jesus said that this good neighbor obliged the request. Now, the purpose in Jesus telling that story was not to let us know the good heart of this good neighbor, 
the good neighbor delivered the goods not because this man knocking on his door was his friend, but because of the boldness and the persistence in asking. And the point Jesus was making is that doesn't it stand to reason that your heavenly father who never sleeps and who loves you more than you can imagine, won't he give you everything you need to accomplish his will? That's why Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, after sharing this story, so I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. And that idea of asking, seeking, knocking in the Greek language, that doesn't mean one time you knock and then you're, you're no more. That means that you're consistent, you're persistent, you continually knock on the door. You guys have those solar cells people come to your house. Apologies if you're a solar salesman. Just do not come to 5260 Medicine Street, all right? Just tell you right now. They don't knock once. They knock how many times? 4,000 times, right? (laughs) That's the idea. To be persistent. To continually carry your prayers to God. I want to encourage you today, if you've been praying about something and you're waiting for God to show up and you're waiting for God to answer, do not give up because this church practiced persistent prayer. That's the third word. The fourth word is purpose. Purpose. The prayers of the people in Acts 12 were used by God to accomplish his purpose. These believers knew that it was God's will for the church to get the gospel to the ends of the earth, regardless of what Herod wanted. They they did not know how it was going to happen. They weren't sure if Peter would make it or not. However, they knew that the purpose of God was to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. So they prayed, Lord, make it happen. They knew that it was not God's will for Satan to destroy the church or to impede the church's progress. So they prayed, God, you've got to make something happen. And they kept on praying until God's purpose was fulfilled. I want you to, to hear me this morning when I say this. God wants to use your prayers to accomplish his purpose. He wants to use your prayers to accomplish his purpose. And did you know that you can be an answer to one of God's prayer requests? Did you know that? I mean, when you get prayer requests, you usually pray them. You're usually not the answer to them. But you can be the answer to a prayer request of God as it relates to his purpose. Luke tells us in Luke chapter 10, he records the words of Jesus where Jesus said, the harvest is abundant, but the workers, 
<coughs> the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord. Here's your prayer request. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Jesus says, I want you to pray that God would send people out into the harvest. And guess what? Guess who the people are that are supposed to go out into the harvest? It's me and you. We can be an answer to the prayer of Jesus. Don't you think that's pretty, that's pretty awesome? All right, four people think it's all right. <laughs> Dr. Jackson and I were talking a little bit this morning. With everything that's happening over in the Middle East right now, I think I want to say this, how many emails I want to get this week. I don't know that God's desire is for us to get out our Tim LaHaye prophecy timeline charts and graphs and try to figure out how yesterday figures into the end time. I think God would rather have us fulfill his purpose and instead of gathering in holy huddles and trying to figure out what's going to happen next, to go out and share the gospel before it happens again. I think God would prefer us to live sent to fulfill the purpose of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the enemy of the church and of every believer opposes the purpose of God, and the enemy will do whatever he can to stop it. But I know this, God's good purpose cannot be stopped. In fact, they tried to stop the gospel, and verse 24 tells us that the word of God increased, and it multiplied. It wasn't silence, but it increased. And your prayer life can be used by God to accomplish his purpose and defeat Satan's purpose. Prayer is the key to heaven. Prayer provides us access to the Father. You possess that key, believer. Will you use it? Say, Pastor, I don't understand how this prayer thing works. And sometimes, Pastor, it confuses me. Me too. I'm with you. Sometimes I pray about something for a while and nothing happens. And then I stop praying about it. I don't persist. And three weeks later, God answers the prayer when I hadn't been praying for it. Hey, I'm with you. I don't understand how it all works. But let me tell you something else I don't understand. I don't understand how a black cow can eat green grass, give white milk, and it turned into yellow butter. But I'm going to let you take me to Texas Roadhouse sometime, buy me a steak, and I'll put butter on the baked potato, and I might have ice cream for dessert, even though I don't understand how it works. Amen? <laughs> you don't have to understand how something works to participate in it. Our calling is not to understand prayer. Our calling is to pray. Our calling is not to understand how God operates behind the scenes. That's, that's what faith is for. Our calling is to pray. See, don't miss this fact that happened in the scripture. In our text, God answered their prayers. They're praying for Peter, and Peter is released. Peter is delivered, and the answer to their prayer walked right up to their door, and they did not believe that God had answered their prayer. They needed eyes of faith. They had the key to heaven, but they needed faith 
to unlock the door. I want you to know this morning that God is working in your life, that God is working in your situation through your prayers right now. You may not see it. You may not understand it. There will be times as you pray that you cannot trace the hand of God, but there will never be a time that you cannot trust the heart of God. So I challenge you today to make prayer a priority in your life. Today, if it hasn't been a priority, let this be the last day. It is not a priority in your life. Make it a priority in your life. I challenge you to give glory to God now for how he has, how he is, how he will answer your prayers. I want to challenge you, do not stop praying, but persist. I want to challenge you to remember that your prayers have a purpose and God will accomplish his purpose as you pray. But before any of these truths can be yours, Jesus must be your Lord. And he can be your Lord today. And you know what? Prayer has a role in that. He can be your Lord today, and the way that Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior today is that you confess your sins to him through prayer. You express through prayer your desire for him to change your life. Through prayer, you express repentance to him. You express to him your desire to turn away from sin, to stop following everything else, and to only follow him. And through prayer, you ask him to save you. You ask him to be your Lord and Savior. There's no magic words in that. There's no specific prayer that you have to pray as best you know how. You use prayer to confess, repent, and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, that's your first step. If you have done that, it's our challenge today to use the key to heaven and to have faith to unlock the door. You see what God did in this church through just a few people praying. Imagine what God would do through a church full of people committed to prayer. Would you bow your head with me this morning? I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to stand, we're going to sing. This altar is going to be open for you to do business with God. If you need to make a recommitment to pray, to make prayer a priority, if, if you need to ask questions about what it means to pray and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, if there's a next step you need to take with baptism, church membership, whatever it is, this is the time we invite you to share with us your desire to do that. We'll make sure we get you to someone who can walk through Scripture with you and try to answer your questions and, and help you take that next step that you need to take. But don't leave here today without having a commitment to use this key to heaven, this access to the Father through the ministry of the Son, the power of the Holy Spirit, to fill your life with prayer. Father, I thank you that Jesus was committed to praying and that through his prayers he remained faithful and you answered his prayers. And Father, I know that he did that for our benefit and for your glory. And so I pray today that whatever step we need to take, 
whether it's to pray, to ask you to be our Lord and Savior, whether it's to, to make a recommitment, to make prayer a priority. Maybe there's someone in this room and they're right at the, the verge of, of stopping to pray about something. Maybe they just stopped praying about something. God, I, I pray that you, would, that you would use your word in Acts 12 to call them back to be persistent in that prayers. And God, I would ask that as, as you answer those prayers, that you would remind us that we're to give you the praise, honor, and glory for it. For you alone are worthy. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand.